This is day 91 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Job chapters 15 through 19. Lord God, show us your glory. Show us your might and your wisdom. It's through your word, Lord, there's so much richness in here. And Lord, if we just may tap into this and seek you with a whole heart, just to be filled with your power and your wisdom in our lives, to not lose hope, and yet to be guided by your hand. Lord God, we need your direction. We need our shepherd. We are so lost half the time. May we keep you in mind at all times and be guided and be obedient to your direction in our lives. Lord, you've shown us the path through your word, and we need to follow it. And it starts with that before anything else happens. So please help us to reach that point so we can be mature and seek you with a whole heart. Please bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Then Eliphaz the Temanite responded, Should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Should he argue with useless talk or with words which are not profitable? Indeed, you do away with reverence and hinder meditation before God. For your guilt teaches your mouth, and you choose the language of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, and not I, and your own lips testify against you. Were you the first man to be born, or were you brought forth before the hills? Do you hear the secret counsel of God and limit wisdom to yourself? What do you know that we do not know? What do you understand that we do not? Both the gray-haired and the aged are among us, older than your father. Are the consolations of God too small for you, even the words spoken gently with you? Why does your heart carry you away, and why do your eyes flash? that you should turn your spirit against God and allow such words to go out of your mouth. What is man that he should be pure? Or he who is born of a woman that he should be righteous? Behold, he puts no trust in his holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is detestable and corrupt, man who drinks iniquity like water, I will tell you, listen to me, and what I have seen I will also declare. What wise men have told and have not concealed from their fathers, to whom the, alone the land was given, and no alien passed among them. The wicked man writhes in pain all his days, and numbered are the years stored up for the ruthless. Sounds of terror are in his ears, while at peace the destroyer comes upon him. He does not believe that he will return from darkness, and he is destined for the sword. He wanders about for food, saying, Where is it? He knows that a day of darkness is at hand. Distress and anguish terrify him. They overpower him like a king ready for the attack. Because he has stretched out his hand against God, and conducts himself arrogantly against the Almighty. He rushes headlong at him, with his massive shield. For he has covered his face with his fat, 
and made his thighs heavy with flesh. He has lived in desolate cities, in houses no one would inhabit, which is destined to become ruin. He will not become rich, nor will his wealth endure, and his grain will not bend down to the ground. He will not escape from darkness. The flame will wither his shoots, and by the breath of his mouth he will go away. Let him not trust in emptiness, deceiving himself, for emptiness will be his reward. It will be accomplished before his time, and his palm branch will not be green. He will drop off his unripe grape like the vine, and will cast off his flower like the olive tree. For the company of the godless is barren, and fire consumes the tents of the corrupt. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity, and their mind prepares deception. Then Job answered, I have heard many such things. Sorry comforters are you all. Is there no limit to windy words, or what plagues you that you answer? I too could speak like you if I were in your place. I could compose words against you and shake my head at you. I could strengthen you with my mouth, and the solace of my lips could lessen your pain. If I speak, my pain is not lessened, and if I hold back, what has left me? But now he has exhausted me. You have laid waste all my company. You have shriveled me up. It has become a witness, and my leanness rises up against me. It testifies to my face. His anger has torn me and hunted me down. He has gnashed at me with his teeth. My adversary glares at me. They have gaped at me with their mouth. They have slapped me on the cheek with contempt. They have massed themselves against me. God hands me over to ruffians and tosses me into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, but he shattered me, and he has grasped me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. He has also set me up as his target. His arrows surround me. Without mercy, he splits my kidneys open. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks through me with breach after breach. He runs at me like a warrior. I have sewed sackcloth over my skin and thrust my horn in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping, and deep darkness is on my eyelids. Although there is no violence in my hands, and my prayers are pure. O earth, do not cover my blood, and let there be no resting place for my cry. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and my advocate is on high. My friends are my scoffers, my eye weeps to God. Oh, that a man might plead with God as a man with his neighbor. For when a few years are past, I shall go the way of no return. My spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Surely mockers are with me, and my eye gazes on their provocation. Lay down, now, a pledge for me with yourself. Who is there that will be my guarantor? 
for you have kept their heart from understanding. Therefore you will not exalt them. He who informs against friends for a share of the spoil, the eyes of his children also will languish. But he has made me a byword of the people, and I am one at whom men spit. My eye has also grown dim because of grief, and all my members are as a shadow. The upright will be appalled at this, and the innocent will stir up himself against the godless. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. But come again, all of you now, for I do not find a wise man among you. My days are past, my plans are torn apart, even the wishes of my heart. They make night into day, saying, The light is near in the presence of darkness. If I look for Sheol as my home, I make my bed in the darkness. If I call to the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother and my sister. Where now is my hope? And who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall we together go down into the dust? Then Bildad the Shuhite responded, How long will you hunt for words? Show understanding, and then we can talk. Why are we regarded as beasts, as stupid in your eyes? O oh, you who tear yourself in your anger, for your sake is the earth to be abandoned? or the rock to be moved from its place? Indeed, the light of the wicked goes out, and the flame of his fire gives no light. The light in his tent is darkened, and his lamp goes out above him. His vigorous stride is shortened, and his own scheme brings him down. For he is thrown into the net by his own feet, and he steps on the webbing. A snare seizes him by the heel, and a trap snaps shut on him. A noose for him is hidden in the ground, and a trap for him on the path. All around terrors frighten him, and harry him at every step. His strength is famished, and calamity is ready at his side. His skin is devoured by disease. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. He is torn from the security of his tent and they march him before the king of terrors. There dwells in his tent nothing of his. Brimstone is scattered on his habitation. His roots are dried below, and his branch is cut off above. Memory of him perishes from the earth, and he has no name abroad. He is driven from light into darkness, and chased from the inhabited world. He has no offspring or posterity among his people, nor any survivor where he sojourned. Those in the west are appalled at his fate, and those in the east are seized with horror. Surely such are the dwellings of the wicked, and this the place of him who does not know God. Then Job responded, How long will you torment me? and crush me with words. These ten times you have insulted me. You are not ashamed to wrong me. Even if I have truly erred, my error lodges with me. 
If indeed you vaunt yourselves against me, and prove my disgrace to me. Know then that God has wronged me, and has closed his net around me. Behold, I cry violence, but I get no answer. I shout for help, but there is no justice. He has walled up my way so that I cannot pass, and he has put darkness on my paths. He has stripped my honor from me and removed the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side, and I am gone, and he has uprooted my hope like a tree. He has also kindled his anger against me and considered me as his enemy. His troops come together and build up their way against me and camp around my tent. He has removed my brothers far from me, and my acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed, and my intimate friends have forgotten me. Those who live in my house and my maids consider me a stranger. I am a foreigner in their sight. I call to my servant, but he does not answer. I have to implore him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife, and I am loathsome to my own brothers. Even young children despise me. I rise up and they speak against me. All my associates abhor me, and those I love have turned against me. My bone clings to my skin and my flesh, and I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Pity me, pity me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does? And are you not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that with an iron stylus and lead, they are engraved in the rock forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. My heart faints within me. If you say, How shall we persecute him? And what pretext for a case against him can we find? Then be afraid of the sword for yourselves, for wrath brings the punishment of the sword, so that you may know there is judgment. All right, so we started off chapter 15 with Eliphaz taking up his discourse again, and he accuses Job of being a windbag for the first few verses here. Should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Should he argue with useless talk? He's calling him a windbag. You are just talking and nothing of value is coming out, Job. What kind of a friend is that? That's not a good friend here. So he basically is saying that he is talking nonsense. He is ignoring wisdom, and he is ignoring his own sinfulness. Not just the sinfulness of man in general, but his own sinfulness. And then he combats what 
Job was saying about how the wicked are just prospering and how the wicked get away with everything and nothing happens to them. And Eliphaz debates that with him through the second half of chapter 15. But instead of prospering, Eliphaz is saying that they experience pain and anguish and a death that is either early or going to be eternal. So we see that the wicked will get what's coming to them. But he lumps in Job with them. He's calling Job wicked. Some some friend. So then, chapter 16, he replies to this statement. And he calls him a windbag in return. Is there no limit to windy words? So he's doing the same thing back to him. And saying, like, you're a sorry comforter. You are not helping me at all. You're not even giving me the benefit of the doubt. What kind of a friend is that? So then he goes and he describes his situation again and how terrible he's feeling and all these things are happening to him and he feels like he's done nothing wrong. And then he does something that is, again, very dangerous to do. In the second half of the chapter, he's accusing God of mauling him like as a, would a beast, right? Tearing him apart. That God is turning him over to wicked men. That God is using him as target practice. And that he's attacking him like a raider or like a warrior. So he's crying that he's innocent and he seeks vindication. But he's still making accusations to God without understanding. And that's dangerous. We should not do that. So then in chapter 17, he continues on with um, asking God himself to be the pledge for his innocence, which I suppose is okay, but um, he longs for death. You see it here. He's just like, Lord, if you're just going to do all this to me, just kill me. Take me out of my misery. It's not worth it, Lord. Don't, don't, don't taunt me. Don't torment me any further. Just kill me. And then Bildad steps in. And he uses strong language again and shows resentment towards Job and says that he is wicked and stupid and just has no idea what he's saying. So then in chapter 19, he responds to those things and saying, you are tormenting me and crushing me with words. You're here to counsel me and comfort me, and you're doing neither of those things. You have insulted me ten times, he says, and you're not ashamed to wrong me, and you still don't understand what's going on with me. But then Job does it again, verse 6. Know then that God has wronged me and has closed his net around me. Again, he doesn't understand this. He's saying God is picking on him. God has done something wrong. Ooh, you do not want to be in that camp. Please do not do that. And then you see that he is crying for affection, right? You see that beginning in verse 13, that the people that he loved are far away from him. His relatives have abandoned him. His friends have abandoned him, including the ones sitting in front of him. His family abandoned him. His wife just is the one that said, curse God and die. 
that he's still alive and that offends her. I mean, that's some strong language. My breath is offensive to my wife. Ouch. And so he, he describes his situation, and then he cries that in his justice, his sense of justice, he wishes that his case could be written in a book. And I think that is so ironic, don't you? Because this is written in a book, and it's an eternal understanding, and it's an eternal book. And I thought that was so fascinating that he even cries out for this to be written and God actually had it written. And I think that's just amazing. Because he is crying out that, you know, ordinary writing perish, right? You write something on paper, it won't always last. But if you write it on something like a lead tablet with an iron stylus, that is a permanent writing. Something that will stand the test of time. And then he says something profound here. As for me... I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. So let's break this down. Okay, so first off, he says that he knows that his Redeemer lives. He believes in the Messiah. He believes that the Messiah lives, that he is of God. So he understands who Christ is. And this is, again, probably about 2,000 years before Jesus came. So this is ancient knowledge that was understood long before it happened. And he understands as well that he will, at the end of time, that he will take his stand on the earth, that he will come to earth and redeem his people. This is, again, ancient knowledge. This is not a new revelation from God. This was always understood. I think this is just fascinating. And then we see something else that's also profound, is that even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. Even after I die, I know that my own body will come back to life and will see my God with my own eyes. He understands the glorified body. He understands the resurrection. All of this is ancient knowledge. Whom my, I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. You know, he's seeing, I only have eyes for God, and I will see my Christ. I will see my Messiah come. And then he says, my heart faints within me, as if he's trying to say, I just thinking about it, I get overwhelmed. I'm just... It blows my mind at the very thought of it. So, such a great expression of hope. How everything and everyone has abandoned him. And in his eyes, even God has abandoned him in some way. And yet he knows that at the end, he will be redeemed and he will join God forever. Such hope. Such faith. May we have a hope like Job today. Such a beautiful depiction of his hope. Do we have a hope like that in God? We, I don't think, have even come close in our lives to being as miserable as Job or dealing with the hardships he dealt with. And did we quickly abandon God in those times? 
If we did, well, now we know better. But this is how it should be, no matter how bad it gets. I know my Redeemer lives, and I will see him face to face. But that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.